This week I want to talk about seeing the invisible. And actually, you know, invisible is all around us. There's an awful lot of things around us that we can't see at the moment. There's radio waves, satellite, TV, all those kinds of things. I mean, around you right now is a whole other world. Just thinking about biology. You know, unseen to the naked eye, there are millions of tiny life forms called microbes. I mean, they exist everywhere on Earth and anywhere. They're in the air, they're in the soil, they're in rock, they're in water. Some need oxygen, some don't. Some thrive in the cold, some in heat. Some live in our bodies, and some of these little creatures live on our bodies. I mean, look at your skin. If you just look at your skin right now, scientists reckon there are over a thousand different species of bacteria living there. And in fact, the average human being has an estimated one trillion of these delightful little things. Most of which, uh, some have more than others. Looking around this room, you could see that. Uh, But most of those little bacterial microbes are, are actually good for us, they're important for us, and completely harmless. Now, just a few hundred years ago, nobody knew anything about these, these little bits of bacteria. They didn't know they existed. And it was only because of the invention of the microscope that they were actually able to see what was going on and then study them and then start to provide medication to help with those bad bacteria that make us ill. I mean, it's quite amazing. It's fascinating and slightly revolting, I know. But in a similar way, there is a whole other world that exists and is all around you, even in you. It can be found in the air, on land, in sea, under the earth, fills the heavens. A whole other realm which exists throughout all time and space, and it's called the spiritual realm. And it can't be seen with the naked eye, it's invisible to us, but it's real nonetheless, and it affects all of our lives. And this also requires the right equipment to see. So talking about experiencing the supernatural, I want to talk about seeing the invisible. And to the Western mind, this is as strange and unusual a concept as the existence of microbes and cells would have been to the people who existed in ancient times. When they first started talking about bacteria, the people thought that they were crazy. What are you talking about? Bacteria causes these things? It would have been as strange to those people as it is for us today talking about the spiritual world. But in building a supernatural culture, we will need to learn how to see beyond the physical realm with which we are most familiar and begin to see the world differently. And actually, we already have the right equipment because we are both spiritual and physical beings, although we may need a little help because our preference, especially here in the West, is with the physical, not the spiritual. And so the writer to the Hebrews tells us our senses need to be trained, that we will need to, that we need to learn to distinguish the things of God by reason of use. In other words, by practice. So there are some things to learn about this realm. I mean, last time I talked about how we can begin to see this realm through spirit-inspired imagination. There's been lots of really interesting conversations ever since that talk. And this was really about the inner eye. 
It was about the eyes of faith or the eyes of our heart. And probably if I'd used some of that language, instead of talking about imagination, people would have found it easier to hear. But I deliberately used the word imagination because that's how God has created us, with imagination. It's that creative part of us that God often uses to make himself known. And you need to listen to the talk. If you missed it, you think, oh, what went on? Well, have a listen and see what you think. But inspired imagination is nothing to do with fairy tales or make-believe. As we saw, it's through imaginative prayer, worship, and Bible reading that we are able to capture the truth of heavenly things and make it concrete in our lives, which is what I want to pick up on today, making it concrete in our lives. I want to take a bit more of a practical approach. I want to talk about seeing the invisible with our physical eyes. How does that sound? Is anybody excited at all today? I'm actually quite excited up here on my own. So let's just pray, shall we, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Holy Spirit, will you come right now? Would you just help us, Lord, to engage with this, help us to understand, help us to see the world differently? I pray, Lord, would you open up a whole other dimension for us? Thank you for how you've made us. You've made us to walk closely with God. You've made us to be in fellowship and in friendship with you. We are children of God. We belong to you. Glory to your name. Just come and let your revelation open our eyes today. I want to just pray Elisha's servant's prayer and say, Lord, would you open our eyes? There are more that are for us than are on the other side. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let me just introduce this to you with a, a few thoughts. I, I mean, if, if all we had in terms of experiencing the supernatural was what happened in the imagination, if that's all that we had and it never made any physical or material difference, it ha- if it had no practical value or outworking, then we might as well take up a career in writing science fiction because ultimately it would have no real relevance to our lives. Do you agree? It's a bit like the book of James says. He says, it's no good saying to a homeless person, God bless you, be warm and be well fed and then do nothing about their physical needs. It's a nonsense. Faith, which is actually invisible, you do realize that faith is invisible, don't you? Faith, which is invisible without works, which is physical, the physical manifestation, is dead. Faith without works is dead. So the spiritual without the physical is dead. Our faith has to make a difference. Something has to happen. See, the reality is that we're not just spiritual beings, we're also physical. We live in a physical world. The same physical world, by the way, that Jesus came into, taking on human flesh and yet was without sin. That's our model. This is what God created us for. So experiencing the supernatural is not about denying our physical world and living in some kind of floaty, super-spiritual, ethereal existence, as attractive as that may seem. No, when we say his kingdom come, it means that the spiritual must impact the physical. Heaven must come down. It needs to come down to earth through us. And there's something that has to be seen in the physical, or at least it has to affect the spirit, the physical. So when Jesus came, 
He ate, he drank, he lived physically, but he brought heaven with him. So he healed the sick, he cast out demons and performed miracles in the physical realm. It could be seen, it could be touched. (laughs) I love that bit in John where he says, that which we have seen with our hands, that which we have touched, that which we've experienced talking about Jesus. There was something tangible about him. He didn't just talk about high things, he demonstrated it in his life. That being said, experiencing the supernatural will often start in the spiritual before it happens in the physical. So Jesus said that he only did physically what he saw the Father doing spiritually. Meaning that what we experience spiritually in our imagination, if you like, like we were talking about last time, so that that which is conceived in that place of prayer or intercession or what is prophesied or what is seen in a vision will or can appear on earth in our lives or in the lives of those around us, in our society. The vision that we have for this town was given by heaven, conceived in the imagination, but can actually have a practical outworking in our society. I mean, there may be some exceptions to that. But do you expect that? Leaving exceptions aside for a moment, do you expect that that which you see that God has put in your heart, that which you've conceived, that's what you've prayed about, that's what you've believed for, we've grasped hold of, can actually appear in in the material, physical world? And so experiencing the supernatural is not about separating the physical from the spiritual, but rather it means to live with a different priority. So Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. But he doesn't then go on to say, ignore the physical. But he says that his kingdom, So he said all those things, he says, will be added to you too. They'll come afterwards. But the change of priority is important because his kingdom needs to have preeminence and priority in our lives. And that his kingdom through us should impact the world in which we live. So how can we grow in this expectation? How can we understand the balance between those two different realms, those different worlds. What kind of things do I mean about the spiritual coming into the physical and also the physical going into the spiritual? There's, a, there's, a, there's an opposite as well. So I want to give you some examples. And as I said, this is quite a practical talk. Uh, I'm going to tell you lots of stories. Anybody like stories? Um, because I want to just try and make it, expand your imagination for what God can do and some of the things that he wants to do through us. And it might stretch you a bit, some of the things I talk about. I know it did for some last time. But if you remember, last year I said to the church, in talking about supernatural culture, that I want us to start getting more comfortable with talking about spiritual things. You know, there is that mindset sometimes that says we can't talk about that kind of thing. We can't talk about that spiritual world. It's spooky or it's weird or it's strange. And no, actually, the way of making sure that it's not is that actually we do talk about some of these things, some of these experiences that we have with God. So there's going to be some of that in this talk now. So here's the first example that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about turning dreams 
into reality. I'm going to give you snapshots. I'm not going to develop every one of these all together. I want to give you some things to think about, uh, some things to dream about, if you like. So first of all, I mean, I don't know anybody who hasn't had a dream. Is there anybody here who's never had a single dream in their lives? No. Uh, there's nobody here, reliable anyway, who tells the truth. <laughs> that has never had a dream. But did you know that God can speak to you through them? Of course you do, because you've been in Jubilee Church for a number of years. But throughout the Bible, God speaks to people through dreams. So take the Christmas story, for example. In Matthew's account, chapters 1 and 2, an angel appears to Joseph four times in four different dreams and directs him concerning the birth of Jesus and the preservation of the baby's life. But it doesn't just stay in the dream world. It doesn't just stay in his imagination because Joseph acts on what he's seen, takes Mary as his wife, moves to Egypt to escape Herod and finds that, yes, there is indeed a threat against Jesus' life. And then later returns to live in Nazareth when directed again in a dream. And yes, indeed, he does find that it's safe. The spiritual and the physical realms are confirmed. All of it, through an angel that he met in a dream. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Dreams turned into reality. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, Peter declares on the day of Pentecost that dreams are one of the outcomes of the outpouring of the Spirit, along with visions and prophecy. He says, look, this is what's happening right now in these last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Any young people, any old people, any men, any women here? That kind of covers everybody. That's what the point of that verse is. Now, I don't know what you think of dreams... But I think that dreams are one of the commonest ways that God uses our imagination to speak to us, albeit whilst we're asleep. And if you want to grow in this whole area of seeing, then you will need to start paying more attention to your dreams, because in my experience, dreams often lead to physical realities, speaking into things that concern you and your life and the lives of others, or even the world events. I've even found that God can set people free from demonic powers in dreams. Just in a dream, an encounter with God can set them free. This happened to me once. I've known people be healed in dreams. I've known God direct people in dreams today. Now, it goes on now. Let me give you some recent examples. I mean, if you, if you know me and you know my family, you know that we've always made a point of talking about dreams together. We will often sit at breakfast or whenever we end up getting up with teenagers, it tends to be a bit later these days. But we'll often talk about, did anybody have any dreams last night? Because in our hearts is an expectation that God will be speaking to us and to our children. And just a couple of months ago, and I've got permission from Sam to share this with you, Sam came down uh, from sleep and he was unable to talk about what had just happened. 
Now, that's not completely unusual. Sam, when he wakes up as a teenager, generally can't speak. It's something that just happens, and we've learned to accept. But on this occasion, it was a bit different. He actually couldn't talk about it. But he'd had a very vivid encounter with God in a dream. And a few hours later, he was able to talk about it with us. And he said, in the night, or was it early in the morning, but he traveled downstairs in his spirit, walked into the conservatory at the back of our house, and was greeted by an angel who was standing in the conservatory and who gave him an important message for our family. He gave us this message And then as he finished telling us about this, the presence of God came into the room in a very powerful way. And the angel, apparently, that Sam had seen in his dream, he again saw whilst he was awake. And the power of God just fell on us. And we were sat there around the table together as a family. This is we're trying to have dinner here, you know. But none of us want to move from that place because God's there confirming his word. Tangible Impact, a powerful message delivered through a dream. A few years ago, I had a dream about, um, it was a strange dream, I dreamt that I went into a, uh, somebody called us from the church who I didn't know, but somebody just started coming and I didn't know who this person was in my dream, but they'd asked me to go in and pray for a member of their family who was dying and was in hospital. And as in my dream, I went into this hospital. And as I walked into the hospital ward, I felt the power of God come on me. And I said, death, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. Leave this man. I could see a man lying on a bed, and he was dying. And then I woke up. I shared it with uh, the guy who was leading the church with me, Jonathan, at the time, And I said, look, if anybody calls you and this kind of scenario occurs, will you let me know? Because I feel like this is significant. A week later, Jonathan called me and said, you know that dream you had? I think it's happening. (laughs) We'd had a call from somebody who'd just done the Alpha course and uh, wasn't even a member of the church at the moment, but was connected. And and their child was in hospital, dying. Now, that was interesting because in my dream, I'd seen an old man. (laughs) Anyway, I went in to see them, went into the hospital and started to talk to them. And then they said, "Um, we're really worried. And would you pray for our son? I said, well, interestingly, I'd had this dream. But the thing about the dream was I saw an old man. So I don't understand that. But I know that when I prayed, something happened. And I said it to encourage them. And she looked really shocked and said, what night was this dream? I told her the night I'd had the dream. And she said, that is really weird. That night was the worst night. And we were sitting around our son saying he looked like an old man that was about to die. And that actually had been the turning point. When I rebuked death, that was the turning point in the dream for that child. And so I prayed again in faith and I said, he'll be out by Christmas. And he was. It was all in a dream. But that dream, that which was in the spirit, came into the physical world and there was direct impact. I think we should give glory to God for that, don't you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
So I just want to say then, pay attention to dreams, especially if they're vivid and memorable. This is how many of us begin to learn how to see. And as we learn to see here in dreams, we start to see more spiritual things when we're awake in terms of visions and pictures. And your dreams, when you pay attention to them, can turn into reality. Speaking of angels, this is something I've been learning a lot about, and I've been wondering whether to talk about this. I've dropped several hints recently uh, in different stories I've told, but this is a whole realm uh, of seeing and and the supernatural that I've been journeying over the last few years, really. Um, So I want to talk about angels now on assignment. Angels on assignment. What's the point of that? What's the point of angels? Uh, that's really my question. Uh, somebody's already mentioned this passage, actually, which is encouraging for me. Jacob's ladder. It's in the Old Testament, and Jacob had a, a vision of angels ascending and, dis- ascending, ascending and descending a stairway between heaven and earth on assignment from God. Jesus saw the same thing in the New Testament and says that he was the stairway, that angels would ascend and descend on him. He was the connection between heaven and earth. But what practical and material difference does this make to us? And over the last three to five years, I guess, I've just grown more aware of their presence, the presence of angels and their ministry to us, the ministry that they fulfill. And I've got no time to give you a full exposition of this subject today. Perhaps we'll do that some other time. But you know, the Bible says an awful lot about their role in the kingdom. So in the first few chapters of Hebrews, for example, there are several references to angels and their ministry. But this verse I'm going to read to you is almost like a throwaway remark. It's so matter-of-fact you could almost miss it. But it grabbed me a while ago. Hebrews 1.14 says, as a question, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Aren't they? Kind of obvious, aren't they? Aren't they? Do they? How do they? <laughs> it kind of floored me. I thought, hold on a minute. <laughs> I've missed something here. And I started to ask God about it. And, you, and then as you start to look through the Bible, you begin to see it more and more. So you have Jesus after the temptations. It says that he was ministered to by the angels. You have Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, ministered to by angels. You have the stone of the tomb removed by an angel who happened to be sitting on the stone when the women turned up. Perhaps he was tired, I don't know, it was a big stone. And so on, all through the book of Acts, continual, almost casual, matter-of-fact references to angels. So the angel who releases Paul and Silas from prison. The mistake of Peter for his angel at the door of a believer's house. So they thought he wouldn't answer the door because it's only his angel. Come on, what? <laughs> it's almost matter of fact. And so why are we not seeing this? Or are we, but we're not recognizing it? It's what I've been asking God. It seems like these ministering spirits are, are meant to be helping us on the mission of advancing the kingdom, but we don't really know or, or have that kind of experience. So I've been praying about that. I've been asking God about it. Now, for many years, I've had an awareness of angels. I've even felt their presence. (laughs) And then there was the first time I ever saw one. 
Uh, and when I say see, I'm just going to talk about that for a minute. What do you mean by see an angel? Well, that first time for me, we were in worship. Uh, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but we were at Church Central in the early days there, and we were just worshipping, and I suddenly, it was like a hologram. That's the best way I can describe it. A hologram on the platform next to the band dancing and whirling around. And I was so amazed. It was so vivid, and I could see all of the details of it. In fact, it looked a bit like a jellyfish, that kind of look. Um, I didn't know what to do about it, so I did what I usually do when I'm excited. I told everybody about it. I went up the front, I said, do you know what, guys? It's amazing, it's this massive angel. He's standing there, and he's doing this, and it's incredible. And they all went, oh my goodness, he's lost it. That was the look. That was the look I got. And then Jonathan very kindly came in and said, oh, yeah, smooth, smooth, smooth. Actually, what Rob's talking about is that God's here at the moment, and he's encouraging us to dance. And I realized that there was a way of talking about it that could be helpful to people or could isolate people. But should that be the case? Shouldn't we be able to talk about these things and understand what's going on and have some concept of how to work with that? And you see, in recent years, I've begun to realize that angels are there not for a purpose. They're there for a purpose, and God shows them to us when he does or when we sense them or whatever. For a reason. It's not just for our curiosity or entertainment or I've had this latest weird experience I want to tell you about. If you're going down that route, there's something not quite right. It's not about that. They are servants of God like us, which is what the angel tells John when he falls down to worship him by mistake. Because he was so awestruck by the majesty and the glory of this creature in Revelation 19.10. He just can't help it. He falls on his face and mistakenly starts to worship him. And the angel says, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm a servant like you. (laughs) And incidentally, if you read through the book of Revelation, you'll see that they're very busy servants. (laughs) They're doing all kinds of stuff. So let me just tell you uh, a few recent examples. So I'm just going to leave it hanging there for you to think about. But I want to just tell you a few things that I've been experiencing recently. So a few years ago, um, I was praying for a guy for healing, uh, one of the elders of another church. And uh, I was praying for him for healing. And as we were standing there in his kitchen, suddenly this smell erupted into the room. I can't describe it any other way. It suddenly manifested in the room. It just didn't come from anywhere. It seemed to come out of the air. And it's the most beautiful scent. It smelled like lemons. So other people who are more spiritual than me have said, oh no, they smell like frankincense. But to me, it just smelled like lemons because I don't know what frankincense smells like. But apparently frankincense smells like lemons. So why don't we just say lemons? So it's just, anyway, it just smelled like lemons. And we both recognized in that moment that God had sent angelic assistance to pray for this man for healing. So I was beginning to not just see or on this occasion smell, 
but also to see what they're there to do. Why, why is he here? So I've started asking questions. When I become aware of angelic presence, I'll say, I'll ask the Holy Spirit, I'll say, Lord, why am I seeing this? What, what's this about? What is it you want me to do? What is it I'm meant to be partnering with heaven on right now? So just in the last couple of weeks, I want to tell you some stories. And uh, I was in a, a leaders' meeting. We have the Solihull Hub, and we had a leaders' meeting, and we were just worshipping God, and then the presence of God came. People started talking about a deep river. And then the next thing I knew is that almost everybody was on the floor and just on their knees or worshipping and just the stillness and the presence of God came into the place and I was sort of wondering what to do and I suddenly saw very vividly an angel swoop down very quickly and stand by one of the leaders put his hand on the leader's shoulder and the leader fell on the floor now I know this guy I've known him for years I've known him all my life just about and he doesn't do that kind of thing He's one of these proper Christians, you know. He doesn't fall over or anything like that. But he fell on the floor. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. And then I asked, started asking questions. Lord, why are you showing me this? What is it you want me to do about it? What is it you want me to say? So at an opportune moment, I don't know, five, ten minutes later, I just we started prophesying over different people. And so I brought this word to him and I said, I saw this angel fly down and, and he touched you on the shoulder and you fell on the floor. He said, that is exactly what happened. He said, I thought somebody was standing next to me trying to push me over. He said, and I looked around and think, I'm not going to fall over if anybody pushes me. And then he says, there was nobody there. So I thought, okay, God, and then it came and touched me, and I fell on the floor, like a physical touch. And I said, yes, and what God says is that God is downloading wisdom and insight to you right now. That's why he's coming, he's touching, he's ministering to you, and he's giving you breakthrough revelation about the next phase in the development of your church. He starts to cry. He says, that's what I've been praying for. And then just this week, uh, Trev's given me the uh, permission to share this. I don't know where he is now. Trev? He's in Kiswet. So Trev's given me the permission to share this. Trev uh, was involved in a, in a job recently. He, he works in a, a building company, runs a building company, and he went into a particular place. And as he walked in there, he knew that there was some really dodgy stuff going on spiritually. And as he walked in, he felt oppressed by the enemy. And he, and he had to get out of that place. It was just horrible, just cloying, just strangling. And, and he says that since that point, he says, I prayed about it, I prayed about it, but nothing's kind of, you know, I just need you to pray for me, Rob. He turned up in my office and said, please, will you pray for me? And he was telling this story and, and pouring his heart out to me. And without me realizing, I'd taken my eyes off him and I was looking just over to the top left of his shoulder and I was smiling. He said, what are you smiling for? I'm pouring my heart out to you here. You know, all this stuff's been happening and I don't like it. I don't understand it. Oh, I said, oh, sorry. It's just an angel just come down and he's just ministering to you right now. And even before Trev finished pray, uh, talking, the presence of God came on him and I just started declaring freedom over him. I didn't have to pray. Didn't even have to pray. I just said, all that 
that's just sitting on him, that's just oppressing him. In Jesus' name, I release. And I said, so how are you feeling? It's about 20 minutes later. I'm just sitting there, just, what do I do next? You know. He said, oh, I'm feeling great. He says, there's just a pain across my shoulders. And as he said it, I saw the angel put his hand on his, on his shoulder. So I just started declaring healing. I thought, this is so easy. This is working with heaven. This is working with what God's doing. This is seeing what the Father is doing and going with it. And immediately, as I declared healing, he was healed. Amen. I think glory to God is deserved for that. So this is another example of how the unseen world of heaven impacts our physical world and miracles begin to happen. Speaking of miracles... Let me just talk about, I've actually got four, but time's marching on. I'm just going to do this last one, and we'll, we'll miss the fourth one, I think. But the third one is about healing our bodies. Did you see what I did there? Healing our bodies, spiritual and physical. Now, I don't need to persuade you, I don't think, that when somebody is healed in response to prayer, there's a very tangible experience of heaven there, and the invisible becomes visible. Because something spiritual happens and it's literally felt in the body or the spirit of that person. How invisible this can be is quite incredible. Last Saturday, Simon Clay texted us and said, actually, I don't remember exactly what he said, so I might get that wrong, but he told me afterwards, he gets migraines every now and again. He hasn't had one for ages and he was due to preach on the Sunday. He says, I just feel like this is bad timing need God to do something about the migraine. So I texted back, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that migraine, all pain go now. And he wrote back straight away, very polite, as Simon, and said, oh, thanks for praying. He wrote back again and said, thanks. And then he told me that the migraine had just gone. Within a few minutes, it had just gone, <laughs> declaring that freedom. <laughs> Amen. Healed by text message. <laughs> But because of the fact that this is the the spiritual invading the physical, it's also why healing can be a bit of a challenge to our faith. Because the results can be immediately and imminently seen. So when it doesn't happen, it can be difficult. And so we prefer to avoid it sometimes. You know, if I pray for them, something might not happen. (laughs) And then what am I going to say? But healing is primarily what Jesus did on earth to demonstrate God's imminent presence and power. So in Matthew 9.35 it says that Jesus went through all the towns and the villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Why? Because he was giving the world a foretaste of his kingdom. He said, where I come from, this is what it's like. Revelation 21 says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order has passed away. Jesus is saying, I'm here physically, I'm bringing heaven with me, and this is what heaven's like. People get healed, (laughs) people get set free, lives get changed, because I'm bringing heaven to earth. Now, if some people quibble a bit over this and say, well, you know, how how reasonable it is that all heaven can come to earth and how much of heaven can we have, how much healing can we have. Do you know what? You know, 
I don't know. But I'm just up for trying, see what, see what God can do. And leave that up to him. Because surely there's more than we're seeing now. Surely there's more healing than we've seen now. But healing is a supernatural work. There's no sickness in heaven, so heaven comes down, its impact is felt in the, bio, in the body. And this can be very tangible or physical. A tangible spiritual, sorry, and physical experience. There's so many stories I could share about this. I just picked two recent ones. I prayed for a lady on the Alpha course at Renewal. I think it was last, the year before last, but it's a really cool one, so I thought I'd bring that one again. And she wasn't a, a believer at all, which I love it when God heals unbelievers and then they're gobsmacked and don't know what to say. But she'd had hernia operation after hernia operation and the bulge was there again. And she says, they can't operate anymore. I have to live with this pain. Is there anything God can do about this? So I got her to put a hand on her hernia. I put my hand on her hand and I commanded it in Jesus' name to go. And we felt it go under our hands and it was just gone. The lump had completely gone, disappeared. And the pain went. She said she had a bit of pain, but she was so freaked out she didn't want me to pray anymore. (laughs) So I just said, well, pain go as well. I didn't touch her. I just said, pain go as well. Next week and the week and the week and week, she said it had all gone. Completely healed, completely restored. (laughs) I was just with a guy from uh, Jubilee Church in Wirral, uh, Chris. Hi, Chris, if you're listening. And he was telling me about an amazing story they've seen of a man healed, healed of Crohn's disease in their church recently. They just prayed, and there's been no reoccurrence. It's completely gone. It's just gone from his body. I mean, that is such a debilitating illness. They've been pressing into healing and seen a healing of Crohn's disease. Isn't that amazing? So praise God for that. So there's, there's one more I wanted to share, but I'm going to leave that, I think, because um, it's... Oh, we've got a bit. Can you cope with another one? Yeah. All right, here we go. I want to talk about money in heaven. And the reason I wanted to bring this is because it's completely different to all of the others. Money in heaven. See, money is a very physical thing. It's the opposite way around. So what we've been talking about is bringing the spiritual down to the physical, but money is kind of the other way around. It's the physical into the spiritual and the impact of that and the tension between and the battle for that as well. So it's a very physical thing. You can hold it in your hand. You can measure very physical things with it, such as worth or value, but it also has these spiritual dimensions, which is why Jesus so often talks about money. It's not because he was materialistic, (laughs) Jesus just knew how powerful money was, especially when it comes to giving, what you do with your money. And it's one of those places where the physical and the spiritual worlds intersect. So in Matthew 6, verses 1 to 4, I won't read it to you now, but you can read it later, but Jesus tells us to keep our giving secret, invisible. Isn't that interesting? It says, keep your giving invisible from the physical world. So those around us don't see what we're giving. And he says, when you give secretly and nobody else knows, don't worry, your father sees, your father who is invisible, sees what is done in that invisible place, in that secret place, and rewards us. That's my paraphrase. 
And you see, giving is an investment in the invisible world. Jesus goes on to tell us that it's storing up treasure in heaven. That's a strange concept, isn't it? But I don't believe that... I'm going to get onto some dodgy ground here now. But I don't believe that that investment is just about the future. I don't believe it just means when we get to heaven. I believe that God even sees what we give now, and he gives back to us. Because, you see, heaven is very close. You do know that, don't you? It's all around us. We even sing about that. So Jesus says in Luke 6, 38, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. will be poured into our laps. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The problem is that we're waiting for the, the huge thing to be given to us first before we give. And that's not how Jesus says. He says, you give, you give in secret, you give quietly. The Father sees it, he will reward you. Give and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together. A friend of mine who's really amazing at this, he's just got such a faith for giving. He says that whenever he's in need, he just gives a bit more. And then it comes back. I I can't say that I've quite got into that place myself, but I'm pushing for something of that. Now, I know there's all sorts of things that could be said about this verse and warnings about the prosperity gospel and all that kind of thing. That's not what I'm going on about. I'm just talking about a heart attitude. I'm talking about the fact that our God is so generous that we can't outgive him. And yet we can be so mean and so stingy and so we don't get to understand that, that crossover between heaven and earth where Jesus says, I don't want you worrying about material things. I want you to be putting my kingdom first. And I'll look after you. All these things will be added to you. So I've got loads of examples, really, stories I could tell you. I mean, Trevor shared a few weeks ago about business, didn't he? And how God had really challenged him about not pursuing a debt and then how God multiplied generously towards him. And we've got lots of stories ourselves. I mean, we moved house a few years ago. It's almost exactly five years ago. And when we moved in, we felt God very clearly led us to this place. But when we got there, we realized we didn't have all the money that we needed. And uh, somebody had made a promise to us that didn't happen. So we ended up just before exchange of contracts knowing that we didn't have six and a half thousand pounds that we needed. And so we asked some big questions of God and I said, look, let's just not tell the solicitor. See if we can get away with it. (laughs) I've been in the legal business. I know how important it is to have all the money that you need before you exchange contracts. But God knew. Just before, we just prayed about it and panicked a lot. And then we got a phone call out of the blues from some friends who were really poor, you know. So we know they don't have any money, so that's okay, we can share with them. So they phoned up out of the blue and said, we're praying for you right now, is there anything that you need? I said, well actually, this is what we're praying about now. Rather rudely, he put the phone down on me. I thought, oh right, okay, some friends. About ten minutes later, he phoned back, he says, you've got the money. I said, no, I haven't yet. He says, no, you have. Give me your bank details. And he sent us exactly the amount of money. It turns out they just happened to have this money lying around doing nothing, these poor people. 
and they gave us this gift. And they since got in touch and said, by the way, I know you felt really bad about taking that money from us, but God has multiplied it back to us extravagantly. Look at the new kitchen that we've got. (laughs) Isn't God good? I just want to encourage you. God is so generous. I just feel like at the moment there may be some people here today who say, well, I need a bit of that. Lord, would you just release generosity across the church? And where there are needs, Lord, I pray you'd release financial provision in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, we'd hear stories of heaven crashing in to financial situations in Jesus' name. Look, there are so many other examples that I could give you of the spiritual and physical and how they interact. I could have talked about answered prayer, I could have talked about love you know, how God is made visible in the world by our love for one another, how God changes our lives radically through prayer I could have talked about deliverances, I've seen manifestations of God's glory, some strange ones the weights of his presence, power encounters, gold dust, golden oil poured out what do you make of all that, visions, trances supernatural translocation anybody done any of that Um, it's all in the Bible Why not? But the bottom line is this. God is real. The spiritual realm is real. Very real. It's here, it's now, we can all experience it. God is not far off and distant. This is real stuff we're talking about here. And he wants to open our eyes. He wants us to encounter him. He wants us to experience the supernatural and to make a difference in our lives. Now, before the summer, I set out our five cultural values, honour, authenticity, passion, family, courage. HAP FC. Don't know what it is, but that's how I remember it. HAP FC. Working it out now, aren't you? But you know, those cultural values are impossible to live out. You did realise that, I hope. It's going to take supernatural help, which is why we are building a supernatural culture as a church. And this is how we're going to do things. We're going to be people that pray, that imagine big things and trust God. People of faith and courage that pull heaven down to earth. We're going to see the miraculous break out increasingly as a church. We're going to see breakthroughs in the area of healing, breakthroughs in the area of deliverance. Really believe that. Financial provision, no problem for God. God's faithful to us. So what does it mean for us? What does it look like? Well, it starts in the imagination in that realm, but it comes down to earth and will soon be seen very clearly. Free to imagine. Free to imagine amazing things because our God is so big. He's so powerful, he's so mighty. Nothing is impossible. That's the extent of what we can imagine. It hasn't even entered into our minds what God has in store for us, so we better get imagining of what God can do. But it doesn't just stay in the imagination. It has to make a difference in our physical world. Advancing God's kingdom makes a material difference. That's why my life's been changed. (laughs) And yours too. So do you want to see? Do you want to encounter? Do you want an adventure with God? 
I don't want boring Christianity, which is just about sitting in a pew and going to a service once a week. I want adventures. I want God to take all of us on adventures, to have stories brimming with fruit and brimming with stories. Is that you? Is that what you want too?